0: Amen. Marriages and baby dedications, some of the most exciting things that we do in the house of God and baptisms. And we'll be baptizing uh, Sister Stephanie here after this altar call. Amen. But I want to turn to the word of the Lord, Joshua chapter 20 and beginning in verse number one. Joshua chapter 20 and verse number one. The Bible says the Lord also spake unto Joshua saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, appoint out for you cities of refuge, whereof I spake unto you by the hand of Moses, that the slayer that killeth any person unawares and unwittingly or unintentionally, if I could put it that way, may flee thither. Somebody that. They had an accident. They messed up. And the Bible says, and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. And when he doth flee unto one of those cities, shall stand in the entering of the gate of the city, and shall declare his cause in the ears of the elders of that city. And they shall take him into the city unto them, and give him a place that he may dwell among them. And if the avenger of blood pursue after him, then they shall not deliver the slayer up to his hand. Because he smote his neighbor unwittingly, he did not hate him before time. It was an accident. And he shall dwell in the city until he stand before the congregation for judgment and until the death of the high priest, that there shall be in those days... Then shall the slayer return and come into his own city and into his own house unto the city from whence he fled. If you could skip in your Bibles to the New Testament, the book of Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18. The word of the Lord declares this that by two immutable or unchanging things in which it was impossible for god to lie we might have strong consolation who has a strong consolation who has strong hope i'll tell you who has strong hope those that have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us the hope that he promised and since he doesn't lie It's something we can rely on. We who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. Refuge from regret. Refuge from regret. Would you set down your Bibles and lift up your voice as we pray? Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray all across the building. And let's ask that God would touch us that God would in fact give us a refuge. Amen, we have it here today. A refuge, a place where we can run a place where we can hide, a place where we can get away, a place where we can escape. Hallelujah. I pray, Lord, that you would give your grace and your mercy, God, that that hope uh, would be evident here today. It's impossible for you to lie, God. You have already declared that you are our refuge and that you are our strength and that you are our ever-present help in time of need, in time of trouble. And God, I'm praying, Lord, that people would run into your refuge today and find hope. that people would run into your refuge and find strength, that people would run into your refuge and find grace in time of need and in time even of failure, God. I'm praying that you'd bless us here today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. Man, refuge from regret. The cities of refuge... Are one of the most interesting topics in the Bible to me. It's interesting because God spoke this to Moses while they were still in the wilderness. In an area where they were not living in cities, they were living in tents, tabernacles. They were wandering about, not knowing which way they were going, surrounding and compassing a mountain. And God began to speak to them about a day that would come where they would leave the wilderness because there will come a day where everybody leaves the wilderness. Amen. You get to where God is leading you. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. But you just hang on to Jesus, and he'll get you there. And everybody said amen. And so he speaks to them that when you go into the promised land, I'm going to give you cities that you did not build. You're going to live in houses that you didn't build. You're going to have crops and farms that you never planted. You've never done any work. God told them before time, I'm going to bless you with a land that flows with milk and with honey. I'm giving all these things to you, amen, for an inheritance and for a blessing, amen, for those that don't believe God wants to bless you. I got news for you, amen. Most of the Bible is about the blessings that God gives, amen, amen. God's interested in blessing you. God's interested in taking you to another level. God is not interested in leaving you where he found you. God wants to take you, amen, to a dimension that you and I have not seen before time. God wants to take you and I. He wants to take your family. He wants to take this church to a level that we can only dream of. Amen. He said, I'm going to give you all these lands and all of this area. You're going to have, amen, so much in abundance. He said, you're going to be the lender and not the borrower. And everybody said, amen, you're going to be the head and not the tail. Does anybody want that to be? Amen, you're going to be the boss and not the employee. You're going to be the owner and not the employee. He's saying, I'm going to bless you to that level, amen. But when you get there, I'm going to withhold some things from you. He said, I'm going to withhold six cities from you. I don't care how much you like those cities, how nice they are, how great the bricks and the walls are. Those cities are mine. He said, before you ever get to the promised land, I need to make some provisions for people that make mistakes. Amen. Before you ever get there, amen, I just want to help somebody understand grace, and mercy. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus was the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. Let me help somebody understand what that means in modern English. That before you and I ever sinned, he said, I'm a sacrifice that is ready for you. Amen. Before you and I ever made the mistake, there was provisions of mercy. There were provisions of grace. Amen. Anybody excited? Before you ever messed up, before Adam and Eve ever ate of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, I want to tell you, God said, I've got mercy before you make the mistake. I've got grace before you fail. I can save you to the uttermost. God was not shocked by our mistakes. God's not shocked by our failures. He was not concerned and worried about what he was going to do before you and I ever made the mistake, before you and I ever slipped up. God said, I've got salvation ready for you. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands and give him praise. He said, you're going to set aside six cities, and these six cities are going to be there for those that make mistakes. Inside of God's kingdom, he wanted to make sure it was a merciful kingdom. See, the Old Testament, as we've said many, many times, is a type and a shadow of good things that are to come. Amen, it was a type and a shadow, amen, of of our perfect refuge that we have in Jesus. Amen, that we can run into it and we can be saved. Amen, that we can run from our past and run from our mistakes and run from our regrets and run from our failures and we can run into Jesus. He wanted to make sure that his people were a merciful people. I want to tell you the church is a merciful place. Because ain't nobody know like we know how merciful God's really been. Amen. Don't let the tithe fool you. Amen. We all, amen, have a past. And we all have regrets. And we've all made mistakes. And, amen, you might think to yourself, there's no way I can come to that church. Amen. They all look like they got it all together. You don't know where we were when God found us. Amen. We are all patterns of mercy, patterns of grace, and God's been so good to us. Anybody thankful for the goodness of God here today? Amen. He said, "But you are to take these six cities, and you are to set them up. Amen. They are not to just be inhabited by anybody. They are to be inhabited by people that made mistakes. Amen. These mistakes were those amen that that killed somebody by accident unintentional manslaughter man this was something that god knew it. and you think about it this is insane that god would realize this would be such a big problem there need to be six cities to hold these people man it seemed like unintentional manslaughter was a big deal in the old testament i don't know uh in fact you find one example one of the most famous if not the most famous example is abner he was king saul's uh, uh captain of the host Amen, but when Saul, amen, began to decline, Abner was out there with Joab, David's captain of the host, and they began to fight, and they began to spar a little bit, as friends do, and amen, but their games were a little dangerous. They weren't playing with dull swords. They were playing with knives and swords that that could injure and kill an individual, and the games got a little out of hand, and all of a sudden, they realized this is no longer a game. This is a fight, and so Abner thought, I better get out of here before I do something that I'm going to regret. And so Abner got on his horse and he started running. But the Bible lets us know that Joab's relative, uh, Asahel, started running uh, and going as fast as he could. And the Bible says he could run like a gazelle. He was fast. And he caught up to Abner and as Abner was, been trying to escape, he said, go away, go away. I'm just trying to get out of this. I, I should have never been here. I should have never been in this party. I should have never been in this group. It was an accident. I I, I This is not indicative of who I am. He started running and trying to get away uh, from a mistake that he already made and and so that he would not make more mistakes. Uh, And the Bible says that Asahel was chasing him uh, and before it was all said and done, uh, he just tried to push him away. But the Bible says uh, he didn't realize the amount of force he used. uh, And his spear, the butt of his spear went right through Asahel. And he unintentionally killed Asahel. And Abner recognized not only was I in a place I shouldn't have been, with people I shouldn't have been, doing things I never should have done, but I just made a mistake that I cannot take back. And the Bible says he fled to a city of refuge so that Joab wouldn't kill him. Amen. The Bible lets us know these cities of refuge were for those that had made a mistake and they regretted it. They had regrets, and I've come to preach to somebody today about regrets. I've found in my life and in my study that there are three types of regrets there are the regrets of commission, there are the regrets of omission, and there are the regrets of things that we had no control over. The easiest one to spot, and the one that is often preached from the pulpit. Are the regrets of commission we often regret the things uh, that we wish we would have never done in the first place uh, this is usually the kind of regret that centers around our sins and our failures uh, this is a popular message amongst young people amen you got to talk to young people about living beyond their regrets amen the things that they've done wrong and they've surrounded themselves uh, Amen. in negative situations and they focus their attention and all the things that they've done wrong and all of the regrets of the committed acts that they wish they would have never done amen I know there's people today that you've got some committed regrets You should have never been at that party. You should have never injected that into your body. You should have never dated that person. You should have never gone there or been with them. Amen. There's regrets that each and every person has that they should have never done. And they live bound by should have, could have, would have. I shouldn't have been there. I could have done this. They get bound up by these regrets. This is why teenagers are so focused on their self-esteem. And the image that they portray. This is why young people today have slogans like, You only live once, no regrets. Live in a way where you just you you just don't you don't worry about the, the decisions that you made, and this this kind of philosophies caused people to make foolish decisions and choices that'll lead them down the paths uh, that they never intended to go. This will cause them to make bad friends, cause them to make bad decisions uh, under the dis, under the influence of those bad friends. Uh, it's also they can feel validated uh, because somebody their age that knows no more than them uh, is in agreement with their lifestyle. Uh, they'll get together and they'll come up with crazy ideas uh, and they'll all think it's a great idea. This is where committed regrets start and stem from. Uh, they don't mind breaking rules uh, because in their mind, rules were made to be broken. Uh, they have no problem knowing all the answers because in their mind, uh, they have a solution that nobody's ever tried. Uh, they've got a way that they're about to take that nobody's ever taken uh, because I'm unique just like everybody and that's where they get their regrets from, because they think that they've got some new way to do things. In fact, the problem is they haven't lived long enough to see that their idea is not a new concept, and it's not very revolutionary. It's 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 it's, it's actually quite damaging because, Amen. Now. You reject the advice of others that have been there and done that. They've already gone down that path, and they're telling you that path is full of regrets. It's full of shame. It's full of guilt. Don't go there. But yet in their mind, they think, oh, I'm going to do it anyways. And before it's all said and done, they live a life down the pattern as everybody else that's gone that way before them, a life full of scars, a life full of bruises. They regret the decisions they've made. Uh, they regret the things they've done uh, and the people they did those things with Uh, these people are haunted by the phrase I wish I would not have there are people today that that's the kind of regret you might be suffering from next there's the regrets of omission these are the things we wish we would have done but we never did these are the regrets that people remember the most when they are nearing the end of their lives. Can I preach to some folks? Amen. You you get to a time in your life where you start thinking about amen how quickly death might come upon you. And young people think they'll live forever, but as you get a little older and and, and your, your your back starts to ache and you start recognizing your human frailty and you start realizing uh, I don't really want to drive fast anymore because I don't want to get in a car wreck. And you start realizing your own mortality. Uh, you switch from thinking about all the regrets of the I wish I wouldn't have, and you start looking back on your life. many people do this on their deathbed Uh, they think about all the time uh, that they should have spent with their kids but they didn't uh, and they can never get it back Uh, they think about all the things they should have said like I love you I miss you and goodbye Uh, and when those people are long gone uh, they think about it uh, and they regret the fact that they never said I love you one more time Uh, I want to tell you those are regrets uh, that'll haunt you just as much uh, as the regret of doing something wrong uh, It's the regret of I should have done something right. Can I preach to you? Uh, There is is no greater regret in all the world uh, than what you should have done. There's no greater regret you'll ever have. Uh, I should have gone to the altar. I should have gone to church. Uh, I should have prayed. I should have worshiped. I should have been in the house of God. Uh, Amen. There's no greater regret than knowing uh, I would have had one more moment. Uh, I would have had one more hour. Oh, somebody lift up your hands. Let's pray. Come on, let's pray. I, I've just come to preach. We're going to we're gonna get to the refuge in a moment, but I've got to define out the enemy today. Uh, I've got to talk about regrets for a moment. Somebody pray. Come on, there's people right now. You are suffering. Uh, you are bound up. This is why you can't move forward because you are bound by regrets. Uh, you are bound by regrets of things you did wrong and things you never did right, uh, and you're bound up and you can't move forward. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, today, before we start eating turkey and gravy, we're going to say, God, give me a refuge from my regrets. God set me free. Set my mind free. The older we get and the more acquainted we become with grief and with death, the more we start thinking about what really matters. It's not about how much time you spend at work. It's about how much time you spent with your spouse. Come on it's not about the it's not about amen the car you have in the driveway it's about the vacation you took with the kids and with the wife and with the grandkids it's about the fact that you spent time and built relationships amen it's not about all those somebody said it this way he who dies with the most toys wins I want to tell you he who dies with the most toys might have had fun but didn't win I want to tell you who wins it's those that have lived a life that said I loved you amen every time I thought about it I said that I missed you, and I called people. Amen. This is the kind of people that really win in life. Those that say, I'm not going to be bound by those regrets. I'm not going to be bound by those thoughts of I should have, I could have, but I didn't. These are the people that live life to the fullest that have gone above those and said, you know what? I failed to call them, so I called them. I failed to pray for them, so I prayed for them. I pushed my flesh aside, and I lived above those regrets. That's that's the second version of regrets. But one of the hardest ones to to really hone in on is the regrets of things we had no control over. These are people that are deeply wounded by abuse, by molestation, by rape, by unexpected events such as death or loss. These are people that live with regrets. Amen. And they got a dark cloud hanging over their head They've been thinking to themselves that somehow, some way they could have controlled the outcome came to preach to somebody. I came to give you deliverance once and for all from these regrets. They're haunted by the what ifs of life. They're haunted by the what if uh, I would have not gone there. What if I would have uh, been better as a child and they blame themselves for the divorce and they blame themselves uh, amen for for this and that happening. And they blame themselves for the abuse and they think to themselves uh, and they ask this question, uh, what if? Uh, what if? Uh, what if uh, and they're bound up by what if uh, what if I would have done this and what if I wouldn't have done that and they're bound up by this it's a regret uh, and it's caused them to live paralyzed by fear and this is why they don't make decisions today because they're bound up that what if I make the wrong decision and they never move forward because they're afraid of regrets that might be Come on, can I preach somebody out of a fictitious future? You're so scared of making a decision today because of the bad decisions you made or did not make or things that had nothing to do with you in the past. But God sent a preacher to help you get refuge from your regrets. God sent a preacher to help you get up out of it. God sent you a preacher to let you know there's a place you can go to get beyond your regrets. Somebody lift up your hands and pray. Come on, somebody pray right now. In the name of Jesus, you've been bound by your regrets. You've been living like a fugitive. You've been living like a caged lion. And God sent a preacher to get you up out of it. When somebody made a mistake, when they had regrets, according to the Bible, they had one of two options. One, they could stay where they were. And the avenger of blood was coming. The avenger of blood typically was the next of kin that would say, you killed my cousin. I'm going to kill you eye for eye, tooth for tooth. I have a right uh, to, 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 to avenge the blood that was shed. But these people that chose that route are those that have made the decision they were going to live in the shadows. They were gonna hide and they were gonna always look over their shoulder. There's people today, that's how you live. Always looking over your shoulder. Always thinking people are talking about you. Always thinking, hey, well, who's gonna get me? You're living a paranoid life. Uh, I wanna tell you where your paranoia is coming from. It's not the devil, it's your regrets. I want to tell you, people get paranoid when they have a guilty conscience. You call them or text them and you say, hey, I want to talk to you about this, that, or the other. And they immediately go on the defensive because they think, oh, no, they found out about me. These are people that live in a masquerade. They go around just trying to hide who they really are. That way the avenger of blood will never find them. They try to stay one step ahead of their past, amen, as they step, amen, into this future that's not really free, that's not really light. Uh, it's just barely surviving. Uh, and they go uh, from one dark corner of life to the next dark corner of life. Uh, from one relationship. Uh, and when that relationship doesn't work out because they dragged all their baggage and regrets from the previous one, they move on to the next and say, that person was the problem. Uh, they go from one church uh, and they leave that church and say the pastor was the problem, the church was the problem. But the truth is they had a guilty conscience uh, and the regrets uh, were causing them to sp- I'm preaching to somebody right now. There's a refuge from regret. You can get up out of Somebody ought to pray right now. Somebody ought to pray right now. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody pray in the house of the Lord. I'm almost done preaching, but God wants to get you up out of it. You can come out of the shadows. You can come out of the dark. You can take the mask off. You can stop hiding who you really are. You can live in a life of freedom. Oh, I came to preach. Somebody lift up your hands and pray. Come on, let's pray. Come on, hallelujah. When you rip that mask off, you'll realize i got a guilty conscience. I, I've got some things that I regret, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to bolster myself against what I regret. I'm trying to hide what I regret. I don't want anybody to figure out what I regret. Man, I want to help somebody here today. i I, I got so much we could talk about, but let me just tell you, this is, this is what's killing some people's marriage. They've got regrets, and they don't want their spouse to find out about it, so they gaslight their spouse and make their spouse think that the spouse is the problem. Hallelujah. But the truth is they got some things they don't want to confront, and they're trying to hide in the shadows and stay ahead of. But the truth is the problem is the one that looks you in the mirror every day, and if you don't get it taken care of, amen. the life you're living is no life at all. But God wants to set you free. What ifs of life produce insecurities. The what ifs of life create a feeling that God could never love us and God could never use us because of what we did or did not do wrong or things that went and happened to us. Amen. That we are a product of our environment and we use those as an excuse to never move forward and never grow. Amen. When we fail to do something that we know we should have done, it creates a feeling that God could never use us because we didn't do that which was right the first time. So we might as well quit and we might might as well give up. Amen. This is what causes a cycle. Amen. A failure. People fail once and they think I've already lost it all. So I might as well give up altogether. But the Bible says that a righteous individual is the individual. Not that never falls. But it's the one that falls seven times. But what makes them righteous is not the fall. It's the bounce back. It's not the fall. It's not the regret. It's the fact that they got up eight times when they fell seven. They got up nine times when they failed eight. They got up eleven times when they failed ten. I want to help you today. You gotta to get back up. You gotta. Don't let your regrets keep you bound up. Hide it in the shadows. Get up and say God can still use me. Get up and say God still got a plan for me. We use things that are outside of our control. And we use those regrets. Amen. it, It hinders God from using us in our minds because we are too busy pondering the what ifs. We never move forward. But God already prepared a place where you could have a refuge from your regrets. He said... Everybody's going to have regrets one time or another. And I want there to be places where they could go. I want there to be places they can flee where they don't have to hide in the shadows anymore. Uh, I want them to go to a place where they can own a business. I want them to go to a place where they can live free above reproach. uh, Where nobody will look down on them uh, because of the mistakes they made. Because everybody else in the city, from the city council all the way down to the man that just came in. Everybody's there because they made a mistake. Everybody's there because they needed mercy. Everybody's there because they needed hope. Y'all may not have caught it yet, but I'm preaching it's an Old Testament typology of the church of the living God. From the pulpit all the way to the pew. Every one of us has got regrets. Every one of us has made mistakes. But I got good news for you. There could come a day where God puts you behind a pulpit. There could... There can come a day where God will use you in spite of your regrets, in spite of your mistakes. Because when God brought you into the church, He brought you in to use you. He brought you in to bless you. He brought you in to give you hope and a future. Let's stand across the building, lift up our hands. Come on, somebody needs to run to the refuge today. You need to get in church. You need to be part of the body. Ain't nothing like being the refuge. There's nothing like being in the ark. There's nothing like being in the refuge. There's nothing like being in the church. In the church I find hope. In the church I find strength. In the church I got a second chance. In the church I got a third chance. I got a fifth chance. I got a sixth chance. I got a million chance because the blood of Jesus. Here's the key, though. You could run to the city of refuge. And they couldn't look at what you did and say, well, no, 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 we don't like you. So. No, they looked and they said, well. I know exactly what that's like. The man of the gate could tell you I was actually there one time. I got a testimony. Anybody got a testimony? Come on. Got a testimony of what God has done for you. Hey, the usher might have held the door open for you, but you should have seen where the usher was. Amen. A couple years ago, you just never know where somebody was when God found them. The cities of refuge are a picture of Jesus. The Bible applies the picture of the city of refuge to the believer finding refuge in God on more than one occasion. Psalms 46 and 1 says God is our refuge and our strength. We use that word refuge all the time, but we don't recognize it's actually an Old Testament. Amen. It's going right back to the cities of refuge. Amen. It's the modern day equivalent of coming in and crying sanctuary. In other words, it's like coming into church and crying, God, save me. Hebrews 6 and 18 says that by two immutable things uh, which it's impossible for God to lie, uh, the Bible says we have a strong consolation in faith uh, because we have fled to the city of refuge called Jesus, uh, and we can lay hold on the hope uh, that was set before us. Uh, in other words, uh, we have might have regrets, we might have made mistakes, uh, but we can run into Jesus uh, and we can have a we can have a new life. Uh, we can run into Jesus uh, and we can be saved. Jesus and the cities of refuge were purposely put. There were three on one side of the Jordan and three on the other side of Jordan. God wanted to make sure they were easily reached. I want to tell you, mercy's not hard to reach. Mercy's right there. You just got to reach out. Both Jesus and the cities of refuge are easy reach for the needy person. Both Jesus and the cities of refuge. We're open to all. Not just the Israelite. Well, I don't come from a Christian home. Welcome to church. Neither did many of us. You didn't come from a Christian home. You didn't come from a apostolic home, but a Christian home can come from you. Oh, hallelujah. You may not have come from a godly home, but a godly home can come from you. You may not have come from a blessed home, but a blessed home can come from you. God can start with you in a city of refuge. Both Jesus and the city of refuge became a place where the one in need would live. And you didn't come to the city of refuge in a time of need just to look around. You came to the city of refuge because you knew if it wasn't Jesus, if it wasn't the city, I'd be dead. Amen. I want to tell you, church is not the place to come look around. Church is a city of refuge where you come and you realize had it not been for that old cross, had it not been for the blood of Jesus, I would not be saved. Both Jesus and the city of refuge are the only alternative for the person in need. Without the specific protection, they both would be destroyed. If it's not for Jesus, you and I won't make it. Both Jesus and the city of refuge provide protection. But I want to help you here today only within the boundaries of the city. Which means you had to get into the city of refuge. And you didn't do it laxadaisically. I might get there today. I might get there tomorrow. You know, maybe I'll do it next week, next Sunday. I'll eat a little turkey this Thursday, and then next week I'll come to the altar. No, when you were going to the city of refuge, you knew something was chasing you. Listen, there are people that you don't run at the gym. You don't run for nothing. But if a dog started chasing you, you'd start running. The devil has chased some of you back into the house of God here today. What you don't realize that's an act of mercy from God. That he got something that gets you moving and gets you up out of your seat and say, we gotta go to the house of God. So you thought you showed up by accident. You didn't show up by accident. You had to. You had to have some kind of motivation. We gotta get to church. We gotta get to the altar. We gotta get our family saved. Gotta run. When you got to the city, uh, the Bible says they would run. Uh, Amen. Abner didn't take his sweet time to get to the city. He knew Joab was on my tail ever since his brother died. i got to get there as fast as I can. Can I preach? you got to get to church as fast as you can. Get to the altar as fast as you can. Lift your hands as fast as you can. And as long as they stayed in the city, The avenger could not get them, Brother Mark. Their regrets could not get them. Their mistakes could not get them. Amen. They said it many times. There's safety in the ark you have a safe place here today where your regrets can't find you, where your past can't come and meet you in your future, where your regrets can't come and tackle you, uh, amen, when you think you're gonna get, when you think you finally get to where you wanna go. Uh, your, your, your past has no place in your future when you come to the city of refuge. But when you come to the city of refuge, you gotta stay in the city of refuge. Your life revolves around the city of refuge. Your business revolves around the city of refuge. Everything you do revolves around the city of refuge. You know I'm in, I'm safe within these walls. I'm safe when I I'm safe when I come here. I'm safe when I go to the house. Can I preach you a new testament version? It's Jesus Christ and the Bible lets us know if any man be in Christ. If any man or woman be in the city of refuge, they are a new creation. Oh All things are passed away. Can I help you? All regrets are passed away. All mistakes are passed away. But you know how you do that? you got to get in Jesus. you got to get in Jesus. How do you get in Jesus? You get baptized in Jesus' name. How do you get in Jesus? You get filled with the Holy Ghost. How do you get in Jesus? You come to the house of the Lord. You lift up your hands and say, God, I need your help. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. I'm done preaching. Come on, there's a refuge from regrets today. Come on, there's freedom today. Come on, preacher, what if I can't take it back? You can have a refuge from regret today. Uh, When you get it washed by the blood of Jesus, uh, amen, it passes away. uh, And the Bible says God doesn't even remember it. Uh, Well, 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 what do I do, Uh, amen, when I carry these regrets for so long? uh, You can lay them down at this altar, and you can say, God, uh, I'm not picking them back up. Uh, You've delivered me. Uh, I'm free indeed. At the end of the day, the only answer is this. Everybody's got regrets. But you and I have a decision what we do with them. I've got some I wish I wouldn't have. Trust me. More than I can count. But I've got a lot more I wish I would have. And I can't go back, and I can't go back in time to go back and do those things. I've got a lot of things that I wish would have never happened in my life. But I'm so thankful that one day... I came to a city of refuge. I came to a church. And all of a sudden, my past couldn't haunt me anymore. My regrets had no power over me anymore. That's what the Bible means when it says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Amen. No regrets to those that are in Christ Jesus. Today, each and every person can bring whatever it is you've got. And you can come down to this altar. And you can take it before Jesus and you can say, Lord, I'm going to run. I'm going to be like the righteous. I'm going to run into this refuge and I'm going to be saved. I'm going to trust in the fact that the Bible says the eternal God is my refuge. I'm going to trust like David and say that God is my rock. I'm going to trust in him. He's my shield, the horn of my salvation. He is my strong tower and he is my city of refuge you can come to this altar today and you can say, God, I got a lot of baggage, but I'm going to drop it off at this altar and I'm never picking it back up. Yeah, God, I got a past. But God, I'm going to drop it off at this altar, so I can finally have a future. God, I've got mistakes, but Lord, I'm going to drop those mistakes off at this altar, so you can make something out of me. I've got regrets, but Lord, I'm going to drop them off at this altar, so they can live above them all. Would you lift up your hands and let's pray, Amen. I want to open up this altar. Would you come down to the front? Come on, empty up, empty out your seats. Come on, Mister, I wish I would have. I wish I wouldn't have. Sister, I wish that had never happened. Uh, I want to welcome you down to the front. Come on. It might have been something you did wrong, something you didn't do right. It been something that you wish you would have done or something you had no control over and it's been keeping you bound up for 20 years, 30 years. It's affecting your marriage. It's affecting your kids. It's affecting your walk with God. Devil, you might have had yesterday, but you will not have today. You might have had yesterday, but you will not have my tomorrow. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna find a refuge. I'm gonna run into the refuge and I'll be saved. Come on, somebody pray right now. Come on, today. Today's the first day of the rest of your life. Today's the first day of the rest of your life. Run into Jesus. Run into Jesus. Be saved today. Be saved today. Get your life right. Let God help you today. Come on, somebody pray right now. In the name of Jesus. The righteous run into Jesus and they're saved. The righteous run into Jesus and they're saved. God, help me today. Come on, I feel safety here today. I feel hope for somebody today. Come on, you can have a better future than you've been given yourself. A future that you can actually lay those things at the foot of the cross and know they don't matter anymore. They're washed away. They're passed away. Everything's new. at the altar. God's got something more for you. He's got a future. There is no no past in your future. Lay it down at the foot of the cross today.